Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing just great. Thank you very much. Been busy, busy as we are around this time of the year. Things really start uh, picking up and we're looking forward to an Easter long weekend at some stage. Exactly. End of March. So it's not long to go, actually. Yeah. How have you been? Yeah, just busy as usual. So, um, yeah, nothing new there, but it's actually, yeah, it's doing pretty good, actually. I'm actually going to um, the tribunal today, which I'll talk about in another episode. So, Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a dividing fences um, application. Ah, and that's in NCAT? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. Let's jump straight into it. What's been your challenge for this week, Rena? Actually, this is something that actually I'm not personally involved in, but has come to me through a friend of mine and... and it's a four-lot scheme and two lots are owned by the family and then the remaining two lots are owned by separate owners. And then one lot has renovated and has done some extensions in, into common property with consent and then the other remaining separately owned lot also wants to undertake similar renovations. But the chairperson is actually also from the family lot and each lot owner is also a strata committee member. So it's basically four lots and all the owners are on the committee. Mm-hmm. So informally, the remaining lot owner said, okay, well, I want to do the same thing as the other owner. They put the plans forward. Initially, everybody agreed. Since then, there was a falling out and the family lot had second thoughts about it and now they will refuse to affix a common seal to the DA mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. are actually um, opposed to it. And the other lot owner supports the DA, but in this case, Amanda, they all have equal unit entitlements and also um, they all have equal votes on the strata committee. So it's a bit of an impasse and I was wondering if you've had any experience with, I know that owners can't unreasonably refuse consent for a DA, the owner's corporation, mm-hmm. but obviously in such mm-hmm. a small apartment block, it's making it troublesome. So I was wondering if you've had any experience with people having to bypass the owner's corporation or the strata committee and go straight to the tribunal or any other jurisdiction to try and get the DA, the common seal affixed to the development application. Yeah, I've certainly been involved in situations uh, for lot owners who are trying to do work and cannot get their development application lodged with the council because the owners' corporation won't fix the seal. And then on the other side, been involved with owners' corporations who don't want the work to proceed and determine that they will not affix the seal because that'll be their way of stopping the work from proceeding. I mean, the the thing to note is that normally a bylaw has to be passed if it's affecting common property um, before the DA can be lodged because there's been many examples where people have lodged the DA and, and never sought the owner's corporation approval via a bylaw. But yes. I'm talking about something where, you know, they won't even consider it. There's only four lots mm. and they're saying, well, we're not going to approve it anyway. So with it and with a four-lot scheme, it only needs one person to be against it or, sorry, more than one person in this case if it's more than 25% have to be against it. But this person's not even getting any assistance in any form because they can lock it back through the bylaw process if they submit a special privileges bylaw, which also means that they won't allow the DA, the common seal, to be affixed to the, to the development application. So it's a sort of a bit of a two-edged sword in this case. 
Yeah, on that point about bylaws, there is a case and it is the owners, Strata Plan number 37762 and FAM, P-H-A-M. It's a New South Wales Supreme Court case from 2006. There'll be a link to that one in the show notes. Also check out the more recent case of the owners, Strata Plan number 50246 and Kumar. That's a tribunal case. That's from... 2013 and in that case the tribunal applied the Supreme Court's decision in FAM. So links to both of those cases in the show notes over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts and you'll see episode 102. On that point the tribunal found the bylaw needed to be in place first and then It was for the lot owner to seek that the common seal be affixed, but the obligation was on the lot owner to put the bylaw forward first and get that bylaw passed and then have the seal affixed uh, because all the ducks were in a row and ready to go. But I've certainly in practice seen development applications go in with a common seal affixed and then the council comes back with a condition of consent that the lot owner, before they commence their development, must obtain all required necessary consents from the owner's corporation all approvals under the Strata Schemes Management Act uh, and to the extent a bylaw is required, they must obtain a bylaw because I was involved in a case recently where one of those conditional approvals was given by a council, often called a deferred commencement consent. Uh, You cannot start your work until you comply with the following conditions and the condition was get the approval of the owners corporation. The lot owner didn't do that. They went ahead with their work and we were successful in the tribunal at having that lot owner ordered to reinstate the common property. So I think the advice here is certainly for lot owners to go ahead and obtain the consent of the owners corporation first. If that's by way of bylaw, get your bylaw Mm. in place and then approach the council. If you're in a hurry and you need to get to the council quickly for whatever reason to get that development approved, then you're likely to get a deferred commencement consent, which requires you to get that approval from the council anyway. But going back to your question there, Rena, about this tricky situation, because it's such a small scheme that is difficult and you are going to have a deadlock there, it might be educating the owners about what their obligations are and what a potential outcome could be if the matter went to the tribunal might be a good way to try and break that deadlock. If we can't reach agreement on this, then we're going to end up in the tribunal and we're going to be ordered to do something, whether it's the lot owner who's ordered to get consent or the owner's corporation who's ordered to affix the seal. That's going to take time and money for everyone. Do we really want to go down that path? Mm. I think sometimes in some developments, Amanda, there is like, you know, especially, you know, in certain parts of Sydney, there's a lot of people who pretty much, you know, don't understand what community living really means and they sort of think it's like either my way or the highway. So, yeah, I think the owner has gone and obtained the special privileges bylaw, but basically they said, well, it doesn't really matter. You can put it. We're not going to pass it. We're not going to affix the common seal. So basically I think they'll have to go to the tribunal and and try and um, – get an order. but Yeah. Um, and I think the way that it should go to the tribunal would be by the lot owner saying that their bylaw has been unreasonably refused and they're basically uh, stopped from proceeding any further until they've got this bylaw in place. So that would be the first stop. But um, the other thing also is, yeah, it's always a good 
practice for managing agents to tell the um, owner to obviously get the bottle first because a lot of people think, oh, well, what if I don't get council approval? But the point is, as you said, it's the horse before the cut. A lot of people, once they get council approval, they just start the work and you can't get them to go back and then get the bottle. And sometimes they may have council approval, but the Ounce Corporation says no. So that's another thing that people have to think about. Mm. Council approval doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that the Ounce Corporation is going to approve the subject works. Yep. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that one, Rena. Jumping into my challenge for this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about the election of the Strata Committee. This is something that I know, Rena, both you and I get asked about a lot, not just by listeners, but by colleagues and by clients. Specific questions on who is eligible to nominate who, how the election process works in practice. And it's, it is complicated, particularly yes. under the new law. And I'm often ringing you saying, Rena, is this right? And you're ringing me saying, oh, this, is, this happened. Have we missed something here? And I wanted to talk a little bit about it. It's going to be hard to get into too much detail, but just to alert listeners to the relevant sections of the Strata Schemes Management Act and to the regulation where you might look if you've got some of these questions. Uh, Rena, you're there on the ground attending meetings. Do you find that this is a point where people get stuck and mistakes are made? Yeah, well, I think that it's been quite common for many agents to make this mistake when it came to the election of the Strata Committee because it's actually quite a complicated process, even in the previous um, legislation where there is a big difference between lot owners who are sole owners of a lot and then the co-owners. Yep. And that the main area that confuses people is the co-owners. The other thing also is a sole owner nominating someone who's not an owner. Mm-hmm. So it could be their tenant, their friend, their family, but they also then lose the right to be on the committee once they do that. That's right. And also previously a sole owner could nominate as many people as they wanted, but the minute they nominated someone who wasn't an owner, that's when they, they lost that right. So Mm. it's quite complicated. And I think that I was actually involved in a case and it was to do with Community Land Management Act um, election procedure, which Uh is a bit different again. And what happened, there was a community association where there were strata plans and there were individual house lots. And the outcome of the election, we went to a ballot and um, one of the owners who obviously didn't get on didn't agree with the whole process of how the election was conducted. Mm-hmm. And they went to the tribunal and basically the tribunal went through the act and said, this person's off, this person's off. They weren't validly elected. So the whole there was actually a new committee that was formed as a result of the tribunal order. So mm. it's not that easy, actually. I think people should read it and we have a lot of training sessions in our company about it just to make sure that everyone has their head around the whole process. Yeah, good idea. Now, the section to start finding out some more information about Strata Committee elections is Section 31 in the Strata Schemes Management Act, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes. And that's where a lot of those things that Rena's talking about there, about nomination procedures, who is eligible for appointment to the Strata Committee, that's where that information is set out. And that's where there are the rules about co-owners, how co-owners can get themselves onto the strata committee and the rule about individuals who are not owners getting themselves onto the strata committee. They can be nominated for election by an owner. If that owner nominates them, then that owner cannot themselves then seek election as a member of the strata committee. So that's Mm. what Rena was referring to there. And then you also want to be looking at Regulation 9 in the Strata Schemes Management Regulation, which sets out how the election is to be conducted. So nominations in writing, 
to be received before the meeting and then a call for any oral nominations at the meeting. Another area that people get confused, Amanda, about is also the order by which the election occurs. So basically it's nominations first, close nominations, then set the number. It's not the other way around. A lot of agents, when I've sort of interviewed potential managers and asked them how they conduct the election process, they'll start with the number first and then fill the vacancies based Mm. on the number that has been determined. It's actually the other way around and always has been actually. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that is in Regulation 9. After the chairperson declares that nominations have closed, the owner's corporation is to decide the number of members of the strata committee. So that's quite clear in subclause 3 of Regulation 9, if you need to refer to that. So if you do have particular questions about strata committee elections, nominations for the strata committee, how to conduct those elections and receive those nominations, feel free to send them through to us and Rena and I will cover those off in specific detail in a future episode. You're always welcome to email me, amanda at yourstrataproperty.com.au and we, as you know, we like to deliver content that you want to hear and that's helpful to you. So let us know your particular questions on strata committee elections. Okay, Rena, your win for this week. I think we've got a joint win, Amanda. Yes. Yeah, which is a strata plan that you and I currently have been working on. So I might let you sort of (laughs) start the way in terms of um, the success that's been obtained with this particular scheme. Yes, indeed. Thank you for reminding me of that. We have, uh, yes, a building that we have both been working with. Rena manages this building and I have been involved for some years giving legal advice to this building and they have just had a win in the tribunal. I don't think the case has been reported, so I just have to be careful about the details that I give out on the podcast. But it was a case where the building needed to do some work to the common property, in particular, the windows at the property needed to be repaired, and they had some difficulty gaining access to the property. The uh, lot owner actually didn't agree that the work that was being proposed to be done was the right work, didn't agree that it was the right contractors, that the method of work was going to fix the problem, which of course was a water leak, and on that basis refused access to the owners corporation. We applied to the tribunal under section 124 of the Strata Schemes Management Act, an application for an order requiring the owner of the lot to allow access to the owners corporation for the purpose of repairing and maintaining the common property. And this was kind of a hard-fought application. It was listed before Christmas and was then adjourned for a further hearing that happened in the new year. A lot of material filed by either side, a lot of back and forth about the scope of work and whether it was appropriate. And at the end of the day, the tribunal in their written reasons made it quite clear that the fact the lot owner did not agree that the scope of work was going to fix the problem was not a reason to refuse access. The tribunal said that the lot owner must permit the access because the owner's corporation's duty to repair and maintain the common property is a strict one and the owner's corporation must comply with that duty. And if it happened in the process that what the owner's corporation was doing on the lot 
was not fixing the problem or down the track it was discovered that it did not fix the problem, then the lot owner could return to the tribunal and seek appropriate orders at that stage. Now, I've seen the tribunal do that on a few occasions now, say that the work must be done and if the lot owner has a problem with it, they can deal with that after the event. And I think it's important for both buildings and lot owners to understand that. The fact that you don't think it's the right methodology is not a good enough reason to prevent access or to hold up work because when that work is held up, there can be further loss and damage suffered by other owners in the building, for example, if there's a leak or the common property gets further degraded because it's not being repaired. So the tribunal is quite keen these days to make sure owners' corporations can fulfil their duties and in our experience is generally not siding with lot owners when they're trying to prevent that kind of work being carried out. But in this case also, Amanda, um, the Ants Corporation had sought expert advice. So knowing that the owner was going to use this argument in the tribunal and had been using it, you know, for quite some time, the Ants Corporation had gone to the extent of engaging an expert to outline the methodology and why the proposed rectification would work. And I think there was also council involvement as well in this particular case, which is quite an unusual event. Yeah, that's a really important point, Rena. We did have a council order and that is a relevant factor when the tribunal is considering whether or not to make an order for access. If there is a council order requiring work to be done, then the owners corporation is armed with yet another reason why access should be provided and section 124 specifically refers to that. If the owners corporation has been ordered by public authority to carry out work, then that's another reason for access to be provided. And I think in our case, that weighed heavily on the tribunal when they made that decision to order the access. Yes, that's correct. And uh, so a happy building in that situation and the work is being carried out and almost complete and we await a decision from the tribunal as to costs because the building has been put to quite an expense going through this process, of course, involving lawyers, involving experts and the tribunal is going to make a decision shortly about who should bear those costs. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Amanda, and I hope that um, this will result in a favourable outcome for the Annals Corporation and perhaps any other scheme that has had to go to a lot of extent in terms of costs and, and experts to try and get access. And I think one thing I've noticed too with some people is that they think that the window or the door or whatever it is, is actually, they think it's their property. Mm. They don't realise they actually only have a proportional interest in that in a, as common property. So it's actually not their window, it's not their property. People, I think, have this notion that when it's your own apartment, everything within it is your own and that's not the case. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's sort of that, that mindset shift, isn't it, to know that if there's a problem with your window or, or maybe if you don't like the type of window that the yeah. owners corporation is proposing, well, unfortunately, Unfortunately, you don't get too much say in that. If everybody else in your building has the new windows or wants the new windows, the democratic process prevails and that's part of the uh, compromise, I suppose, we make with community living. Exactly. All right. Well, it has been lovely to share that win with you, Rena. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hopefully it all works out well. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's it for this week. Have you got anything else you want to add? No, all good, Amanda. Okay, well, I shall catch you next time. Okay, Amanda, see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. 
You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? Thank you.